Welcome to the podcast of Dr. Michael Jacobs. We believe today's message will help you walk in faith and have victory now. On finances and how God has a plan for us financially and how he wants to help us to prosper and how prosperity is not an addendum to our redemption, it is a part of our redemption. You know, you've been around this church long enough, most of you. We may have some visitors today, may or may not be aware of what we teach here, but we're glad you're here nonetheless. But my point is that you that come here regularly know that healing's not an addendum to anything. It is a part of our redemption. When Jesus died to take our sins, he took our sicknesses. He took our pains. He took all the mental stuff and emotional stuff. And he also paid the price right then for lack and poverty to make us rich. I didn't say everybody's going to be a millionaire or a billionaire today or whatever you might think rich means, but rich means a full supply. He has for you set apart a full supply to meet all your needs and as 2 Corinthians says, to have an abundance for every good work. And so we, we see this is his plan. So we've talked about the blessing, how that works. Jesus took the curse for us so that the blessing of Abraham... And out of Deuteronomy 28, I'm in Ephesians 4. Just park there a minute if you found it. And uh, we've talked about tithing is the number one thing we should start with, and giving our tithes to the local church. That's where the tithes should go, not to a radio preacher, not to a TV. Pre- and I've been on TV and radio both, but I didn't tell anybody to do that for me. And if I'd have known they'd have done it, I'd have sent it back. Because really... The local church is where you come and be fed and you bring your family and depending on your family, how many children you have, you know, they're tended to in the back somewhere with, with people that love your children and people that help your children to grow. Hallelujah. And then we talked about offerings. There's all kinds of offerings we could give, some of us to help repair the house. And, and we told you about some credit card debt that we've incurred this last year or two on our credit cards. And we're taking up a special silver, gold, and precious stones offering. If you want to be a part of that, that's fine. Or you could give cash, that's fine. Or if you don't want to be a part of that, that's fine with me too. No hard feelings. I know I'm going to do my part. But uh, if you're a part here, we're asking you to help us. I don't remember what the total was for that, about twenty-one, twenty-two thousand 22,000-something range. 25,000, excuse me. About 25,000 uh, to take care of that right now. So we're going to take that up January 29th, and I've selected some men that I trust in the church, uh, Barry Godshock and Jerry Daly, to handle the taking that to the jeweler or whatever needs to be done that's appropriate. You're welcome to do that yourself. You don't get your own appraisal, but once you give it to us, that's... We're going to cash it in and pay bills. All right. Now, this morning, I want to talk to you on my time that I have, and I don't have a lot of it, maybe about 40 minutes, but that ought to be plenty, about taking care of your pastor. And I'm not ashamed to talk to you about it. I'm not embarrassed about it. And I want to say this as we start. I'm well taken care of uh, because, number one, I trust God, most importantly. And number two, the legal board here... uh, uh, has been very generous, but in, in beyond that, Dr. Dufresne, Pastor Nancy, and Pastor Webb are on my compensation board, and they set my salary. And of course, I, you know, gave myself a demotion last year, and some of my sons made up the difference. So the church still gives me a decent salary, but it wasn't as much as you used to give me. 
but some of my sons made up the difference. Now, you don't need to know all this information, but I just feel led to tell you that. If you're committed here, you know, I'm not ashamed to talk to you about it either. But I want to talk to you about being the gift that God made me to you. Now, I was thinking about this and meditating on this, and I, I hope this comes out right. I prayed that it would. But God said to me, you know, if you don't think you're a gift to them, you won't be able to help them very far. Now, I don't run around the house thinking, oh, I'm a gift to somebody. I'm a gift. I don't take this out of context. But if you and I don't agree that I'm a gift sent by God to help you, and I don't believe it, even if you believe it, you'll get better out of me if you believe it. But if I don't believe it, I'm going to be intimidated. And when I know I should say something, I'm going to hold back. And when I know I should be bold, I won't be. And when I see you going down a trail that's self-destruction, I just let you go on anyway. And say, let them figure it out. I don't want to deal with that because maybe they'll get offended. But because I have a gift in me that God gave me to pastor you and minister to you. Now you understand I travel too. That's part of my calling now. So I'm not here as much as a normal local pastor. But I have my wife and my children are here. My staff. The rest of my staff, my children are on staff, but you see what I'm saying. And so we have a lot of extra help here too. But I want to talk to you about the importance that we should think correctly from the Word of God. So we'll begin here in Ephesians 4, and let's start with verse 8, and then we're going to read 11 through 13. But let's start with verse 8. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended, Jesus ascended up on high, he led captivity captive, and gave gifts Unto men, and by the way, the men—the word "men" there is the Greek word uh, uh, "anthropos," which means people, human beings. It doesn't mean male only. But what he did is he gave gifts unto people that would be leaders. And verse eleven tells us what these are. And he gave some apostles, and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. And so he gave these fivefold ministries as gifts. And particularly which one? The pastor to the local church. Be all right to have somebody come and preach here that's not in, you know, not just a pastor. And many times we do, uh, especially Dr. Dufresne and different things. But here's what we're saying. These are, these are gifts that Jesus gave to his church. And I'm not trying to hype anything, and I detest that in preachers, but I think you're hearing me. Then look at verse 12 here. This is the reason he gave these gifts. For the perfecting, the the Greek word there, maturing, let me read it as it would read really, for the maturing of the saints so they can grow up, for the work of the ministry, for them to be a part of the work of the ministry in the local church, for the building up, edifying means building up, of the body of Christ or the body of that anointed one and his anointing. So that's part of the reason that I'm in, 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 in this position is to help you mature, to help do some of the work of the ministry, whatever that may be that God's anointed you to do, and that the whole body here gets built up until, verse 13, we all come. How many? All, all of us come into the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. In other words, you begin to have a working knowledge inside of your spirit of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, and who you are in Him unto a mature person. And this is written to all of us too, because it said all in verse 13. Unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. In other words, the gifting, these gifts that He gave us, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, and in the local church, who's in charge? The pastor not the apostle, 
See, now I also have the calling of a prophet now, and that's more dominant in me, but I can still work here and oversee this work because I started the church. And this is my home church. And this is, you know, I, I'm not trying to get out of anything. I'm just saying because of this other call, I have more responsibility, you know, than if I was just a local church pastor. But my point to say is that we're getting into the whole purpose of having these gifts, and especially the pastor, because that's the one you're going to hear every week and help you mature. I guarantee you Benny Hinn's not coming to pray for you at the hospital. I mean, you know, just get over it. He's not going to do that. He might show up over here at some coliseum, and that's fine. We're not against that. Hallelujah. But as your pastor, I'm teaching you and training you and helping you, if you're listening, helping you get all the kinks out of our thinking, helping you get into the Word with me like we're talking here. I grew, I grew up in church. They never said the pastor was a gift. They ridiculed him. They put him down. If he had anything new, they made fun of him like he stole it. I mean, it was terrible when I look back on it. No wonder I didn't want anything to do with the church by the time I was 15. Anyway, so this pastor is a gift to you. Now, let's go over here to, um, let me see where I want to go here. Let's go, let's go over here to Hebrews a minute, chapter 3, and look at a verse here. I'm going to kind of build a little uh, a message here around the ministry of the pastor and the importance that the pastor has in your life or the uh, person that's over you in the Lord. Like in my life, you know, that would be Dr. Ed Dufresne is my is my spiritual father. Now, he's not operating as a pastor. He's an apostle and prophet. But he can pastor me and minister to me because that's the one that God hooked me up with. Amen. Are you listening? Yes. And that's where I get my supply. That's where I listen to him and I get in his meetings and because that's right. And I'm committed to him. I'm committed to his vision. I'm committed to help him financially and prayer-wise and attend meetings and be a blessing. See, I'm not trying to toot my own horn. I'm just saying I learned that, that this is the way God functions. You get my book on spiritual fathers. Read it again if you don't think you know it because it's important for your future. Now, here we are, Hebrews 3 and 3. It says, For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, talking about Jesus, but yet let's read into this. Inasmuch as he who hath builded the house hath more honor than the house. See what he's saying here. He's talking about Jesus particularly, but we could take the latter part of this as a principle to think about that he who builds the house should have more honor than the house. In other words, the pastor in the local church, he's the main feeder. He's the main one who brings revelation. He's the main one who ministers to you. Not only teaching, but like we just saw this morning. And it's not just that we saw that this morning. You see that all the time as the Holy Ghost moves. Now, I'm, not, I'm not bragging on me. It's not me. It's just the Holy Ghost in me helping me to be effective. Amen. Yesterday we ministered to some other people about some other things. Now, so he who builds the house should have more honor than the house. And see, this is what I see, not in this church, but I see in a lot of churches, and I've told this before, you know, you've got these young pastors and preachers that are very sincere and dedicated, some of them 30 years old with two or three little kids, and all the churches in this region because they know they can get a guy for practically nothing. They want to pay him $150 a week, which if you don't know by now, I'll help you. That's not very much money when you've got three kids and a wife. Then they want to put you in a slum house, which is the parsonage. 
Then they want to pay you 150. Expect you to do miracles. Expect you to preach the word. Expect you to know how to function as a pastor. And you're just starting. You're green. And then they never want to help you get any further than that. And so their church, after he's been here through seminary or whatever, Bible school for a couple of years, he realizes they're starving me out. And I'm going to need to go somewhere where they pay something decent. In my opinion, it probably wouldn't be decent, but it'd be decent compared to $150 a week with three little kids. And then the church is mad thinking the pastor's the low life when in actuality the deacons that are controlling that church or that church as a whole, if they are voting church, they are... They could have a great church in that city or that community if they just paid their man of God and had some respect for him and let him stay there the next 30 years and have a great work there in some little old city around here. But they're so selfish and stingy and no honor towards the man of God that came when he just didn't know anything to serve them and love them, visit them at the hospital, bury their dead, marry their kids and everything in between and expect him to be a genius Hey, I'm, a, I'm an older pastor now and a man of God. I've been through all that foolishness. And then just stuck in their ways, you know, get mad because you have somebody they didn't approve of having, the deacons, and they don't even show up for the meeting. What a baby. And some of them were 50 and 60 years old I'm referring to. What a baby. Wasn't none of your business anyway who I had. This church isn't like that, thank God. But I'm pointing out something. Those who build the house, we're not talking about with a carpenter's belt. Build the house is the house of God. That's you. You're not going to be built without somebody building you. I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about exercise. I'm talking about spiritually. Help you to grow up. Remember, that's what, the, that's what the pastor does. He feeds you. We're going to see that in just a minute more thoroughly. But whenever we put everything else in front of the pastor... And just put him on some low level, that's not the case here. And then it's not going to work right. I've seen it my whole life. I've been in a lot of churches. Been on, been on over 80 mission trips all over the world. And it's the same everywhere. And of course sometimes it's the pastor's fault because he won't do what I'm doing this morning. And that is teach you how to take care of him. Because he's embarrassed or he's ashamed or he feels like if I say that they're going to think I'm after their money or some kind of foolish thought like that. When Paul said he wouldn't make himself a burden to the church at Corinth in his first letter, but when he wrote back to him in the second letter, he grew up a little bit. And he said, I am sorry I impaired you and made you a cripple and made you inferior to all the other churches by not being a burden to you. Forgive me this wrong. So that was wrong, wasn't it? If the, did the apostle say it was wrong to do that? Now, you can't just take all the funds that come in. We're not talking about that. Listen to me. We have a budget here, and it's overseen by other people, even in this church. Brother Les, Brother Dale, Brother John, and Brother Joe. And plus, I have a compensation board, my spiritual father and his wife and another pastor that help in that regards to pay what's fair to me. And I make the decisions to pay the staff what's fair. Hallelujah. Thank you for your encouragement. You look like this is a, your cow to new gate this morning. Don't know whether to go in there or not. You're safe. It's okay. Let's go back here to Jeremiah 23 here a minute. Jeremiah, this is a wonderful scripture. If you've read my Spiritual Father book, and if you haven't, I encourage you to get one out of the bookstore. I think we have plenty of those. About what it means to be a spiritual son or daughter, not just attend church, but be a real son or daughter to the, the man that you're looking to to help you. 
And, of course, we're not trying to dominate anybody. That's all explained in that book. But if I'm really going to be your pastor, then you have to give me some uh, liberty to speak into your life without being touchy and feely and, oh, my gosh, I don't like that. Well, there's always going to be something you don't like, something I don't like. Well, I learned to like it because I know God's helping me grow up. If I get, It's not the things I'm doing right that's messing me up. It's not the things you're doing right that's messing you up. It's the things you don't do right that's the problem. And that'll impair you severely if you have several things that you don't do right. Don't raise your kids right. Don't give your money right. Don't live in peace at home with each other. Gossip about me. That's a good way to end up in the grave quickly. Not because I care if you do that or not, but you're hurting yourself and you can sit here week after week and you won't get a flipping thing that I say because you're critical of me when you're not in my presence. But God hears that. And I can guarantee he don't like it. I don't know if anybody here is doing that. Maybe somebody is. That's why I brought it up. It's not in my notes. But I would stop it or go find another pastor. Listen, if you can grow better and you could be a better believer in any other church in this city, go. I've not got a chain on you. I'm serious. I'm not mad at you either. I'm not mad at you if you go. I think if you're called here, you'd be foolish to leave. And that's what a lot of people have done. They just get offended and get up and leave. Don't ask God. Don't ask me. Don't ask their wife. I'm the head of this union. And bless God, we're going to take our kids and go down the street. And I find out about them two years later, they're not anywhere. They haven't grown a lick. In fact, they've backslidden. Hanging out at the bar, their kids are on dope and all kinds of tragedies. And I'm not proud of that. I didn't cause it to begin with, but I'm not happy about that. I feel sorry for them. Hallelujah. I'm teaching on a little church government here too. But anyway, Jeremiah 23 and verse 3 and 4. You could read the whole chapter later, but 3 and 4 is what we want to look at about having a pastor. I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries whither I've driven them, bring them again to their folds, T-H-E-I-R. Notice it was their fold. It was their place of belonging. And how many know God always, He puts you in the place that pleases Him. I don't have time to turn over. 1 Corinthians 12, 18 says he places everyone in the body as it pleases him. And you need to get in a place that pleases him. And sometimes that place would be, you know, there might be issues that get confronted over a period of time because God's what? Trying to mature you. Not trying to take away from him. He's trying to add to you. But if you don't get in the right place where you're supposed to be in your fold, you can go somewhere else. Somebody else stand up and preach with a suit on and his hair back like me or whatever. But you won't get the right nutrition because that wasn't the place where God told you to belong. Hallelujah. And same for me. If I didn't go with what God told me to do, if I said, well, you told me to hook up with Dr. Dufresne, but I decided I'm going to run over here with somebody else that's popular or somebody else that I think could... See, I'm all wrong already in that kind of mentality. I don't think like that, but if I was thinking, I would really be pretty badly wrong. It may cost me more than just a change of where I go to get my feedings. It may cost me my life. See, you need to think about things that... We talked yesterday, we had a mentoring class. We started off, take heed to the ministry that you've received in the Lord. Your casualness about your thinking will destroy you. Everything you do for God, you're going to have to think it a little more sober than you maybe have thought in the past. Well, it don't matter. I can go over here and be 
Well, you go over there and be then, but don't mean don't that don't just make that up in your head and say God told me. Hey, let me say something to all of you. If God told you to do something, we expect to see the fruit of that, my friend. And believe me, somebody will be looking at you, especially God, to see if that's what He really told you. You start going backwards. Things get in your life that haven't been in your life and they're negative and practices and habits and sins and problems and oh my God, on and on it goes. Lions and tigers and bears, oh my. And then you say, God told you, I don't believe you. I, I'm, I don't want to be mean to you, but you're a liar if you think like that. God didn't tell you to do that. He says we should go from glory to glory. We should go from faith to faith. We should go from strength to strength. God doesn't tell people to go backwards. And it's the devil that tries to create that. Hallelujah. Let's find out what happens when we get in our right place here. And they shall be fruitful, verse 3, the latter part, they shall be fruitful and increase. The first two things that we're going to see that happens when you get in the right sheepfold under the right pastor is fruitfulness and increase. And I will set up shepherds or pastors, or we could even call them spiritual fathers, same person, same, same operation, over them. Notice they're set over them, which shall feed them. There's the key. You're being fed things that you need to hear, being fed things you need to make you strong, being fed things that nourish you. You know, three or four or five years ago, I was a big fat boy, and I'm still working on my body. But God said, I want you to get that fat off. Of course, I was having problems, blood pressure problems, other problems. I won't go into all that. And I took off about 80 pounds. I put some of it back on. Don't be too critical. I've watched some of you too. <laughs> but here's my point. I realize when something says natural, it don't mean anything. See, the marketing people and the food industry people and the giant co-ops that, do, that run our country and the lobbyists and whoever else does that in the end, I better watch the insurance people. But anyway, got a little too dear. But anyway, but anyway, those people try to promote something and make you feel like, because this is natural, but we mess with it. Well, if you mess with it, baby, it ain't, it ain't natural anymore. It's unnatural. But the point I'm making is when something says organic, that means it's got something in it that was alive. That's what organic means. And I just realized that's a lot better for you. Now, I fudge here and there. You know what I mean. But we're just talking here. See, because what we're talking about, the pastors, the real pastors will feed you what you need, not something that's just got a bunch of stuff that people have messed with. And what's going to happen? Look at verse 4. They shall fear no more. When you get under a real pastor, the right pastor, fear begins to get out of your life. Fear begins to get out. It doesn't happen maybe overnight. It doesn't happen because of one service, but it comes over a period of time. You begin to not be fearful over whatever, whatever it was you were fearful about before you came or before you heard you don't have to be fearful. I will not fear, Psalm says, for the Lord is on my, I will not fear. <laughs> Philippians says, don't fear any of your adversaries. And it's a token to them, you're going down. I'm talking to fear now, whatever fear it was. You're going down. And then it says, you won't be dismayed is the English word here, but the word is discouraged. You won't be discouraged. You stop getting being down in the mouth all the time and being discouraged, and they shall not be lacking. So somebody must have taught them how to have an abundance. 
how to get beyond just lack and well you just don't understand pastor I just work over here at the plant and they pay me minimum wage what's that have to do with you being blessed God didn't say if you worked at a plant and you were white and you got minimum wage you're not going to make it where do we get that craziness or any other color or any other lack of education or abundance of it it's because you get educated at, at uh, school and you should and you go to college and you should if God told you to. That don't make you all that. And I'm saying that you should get a good education but when you leave God out of education you get, you're not going nowhere in God's kingdom because he said the beginning of knowledge is reverence for God. The beginning of, of uh, wisdom is the reverence for God in our life. How many are listening? Yes. So here's, here's what a shepherd or a pastor does. He feeds us. We become fruitful. We increase. We quit being afraid. We quit being discouraged. And we quit being lacking all the time. And you, you know, to be fair to all of you, let me say, you've got to give God some opportunity in your life. You've got to give him some time to work in your life. Think about all, just think about me. Maybe it's depressing for you, but think about me. How I came to God. No morals. No ethical thing about me back then. I mean, you know, I was committed to my so-called brothers that all carried guns. And, you know, if we're going to get in a gun battle, I'm going to shoot somebody for you because I'm committed to you. But that's about as far as my ethics went. Or something like that. But just everything else, everything goes, baby. Whatever you feel like doing, do it twice. See, because I wasn't right. I had all that confusion in me I didn't grow up in a home like that my mom and dad had it integrity and ethics and all the stuff like that but see I'd become something I wasn't raised in but I gave myself to something and it made me become a different creature and now I came to Jesus I got to start changing my behavior and I didn't know how to do that and it took a little while for God to work in me I'd like to tell you I got saved that Saturday night and then you know lived for God all the rest of my days but I was back smoking dope in a week or two because I wasn't shooting dope anymore. I wasn't snorting stuff normally. But I still was having a hard time getting away from all that. All my friends were bikers and drug dealers and mean people. And the girls were about as mean as they were. Some of them would whip you bad. I mean, <laughs> anyway, I won't go down that trail. See, you know, you think and you come to church one time, you just, I got a wand to wave over you to re refurbishes your mind and that's just silliness and then if you don't pay attention to do what I'm teaching when you get home and you just pick your Bible up on the chest where you left it after this morning's service to drag it back here tonight or Tuesday or whatever you do if that's the case you're not going anywhere you got to let the word start prevailing anybody listening so having a pastor's critical let's go over here to, uh, to uh, Matthew 9 I'm not trying to drag you through the muck and the mire that I was in. I'm just trying to show you, though, it took me a little time to get it together. And I'm saying for you, I, I, I try to be uh, lenient with people that don't have any training. Hallelujah. Chapter 9 of Matthew, verse 35 and 36. We're talking right now about God-given gifts and taking care of your man of God. And the reason I'm showing this is because it's important we know this. And Jesus, verse 35, Matthew 9, 35, Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching. Number one thing he did was taught. And then preaching the gospel or the power of the kingdom 
And then third, healing every sickness and every disease among the people. And when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no apostle. No. As sheep having no evangelist. No. As sheep having no shepherd. And because they had no shepherd, they fainted. They weren't able to endure and they were scattered in their thinking. You probably, if you paid attention, if you paid, if you, if you paid attention, you know that I don't endorse everybody going through Louisville every other week preaching something. And the reason I don't is because I don't think they're bad people. I certainly don't think they're evil people, but they're not, not always just my kind of people the way that we're teaching here or different things. And I don't have time to go to everybody else's meeting. I've got a lot on my plate as it is. And, but I don't want you to be confused. Of course, you're willing and you're, you're, you're welcome to go to any meeting you want. I'm not going to be mad at you if you go. But I'm just saying, if you do that and you get confused and you come to want to talk to me privately, I might tell you, well, I can tell you where your confusion's coming from. Where you been? I had a man in my church several years ago a college professor. This was not a dumbbell. You know what I mean? I mean, he had academic learning out the ears. And he, he, he had a hard time getting spirit-filled speaking in other tongues. So he wanted to see me. So end up, we went to lunch. I don't do that a lot with the members anymore. But anyway, occasionally I might if the Lord speaks to me. But I took him to lunch. And I said to him, well, tell me what's going on. And he started talking. And I said, well, who you been listening to besides me? Well, uh, I said, just spit it out. And he told me this guy, and I said, well, that's why, you're have, that's why you're confused. He doesn't teach what I teach. He doesn't speak in tongues. You know, stay with me and just let the word prevail that we're preaching. You're confused because you're listening to me on Sunday and you're listening to him through the week on tapes. And you're confused. And you can't receive when you're confused. A double-minded man cannot receive. I was sweet with him, but I said, this is your problem. And by the way, I said, this is your problem. Because you're taking in dietary things spiritually that aren't in agreement with what I teach. So am I going to be your pastor or what? I mean, you know, if you're going to listen to 35 people, you're going to be really confused. So anyway, they left the church, but praise God. They're scattered, not because he didn't have a pastor, he didn't listen to his pastor. He didn't listen. I wasn't being mean, I wasn't banning him from listening to that, but I happen to know for a fact what that guy teaches about tongues and being spiritual, and it's not scriptural. He went against us, the teaching he would bring into this other man's life. Hallelujah. Now, does the Bible ever say anything about you bringing a gift to the man of God? Absolutely. Let's go back over here to 1 Samuel 9. By the way, I'm well taken care of. I'm not taking an offering for myself. I'm not asking you to give me a Pentecostal handshake. Do you know what a Pentecostal handshake is? I'm not sure if you know, but you have money and you come up and give somebody and you've got a 20 or a 5 or a 100 or whatever in your hand or a check. You know, that's what... So we're not getting saying this to get something from you, but let's just see is it biblical for a man of God to receive something from somebody else. Let's read here 1 Samuel 9, verse 6. You know, Saul, he was a young man then, and his father had lost some of his donkeys, if I remember right, and he went to look for them. Anybody remember that story? 
and they didn't find him at first. And so verse 6 of 1 Samuel 9 says, He said unto him, his friend, Behold, now there is in this city, they're wandering around trying to find these donkeys, a man of God, and he's an honorable man, and all that he saith cometh surely to pass. Well, that'd be a good record, wouldn't it? Now let us go thither, peradventure he can show us our way that we should go. Or in other words, tell us what we need to do. Then said Saul to his servant, But behold, if we go, what shall we bring the man? For the bread is spent in our vessels. You know, they're carrying their food with them. And there is not a present to bring to the man of God. What have we? And the servant answered Saul again, said, Behold, I have here at hand the fourth part of a shekel of silver that I will give to the man of God to tell us our way. Well, he's not buying a prophecy here. But here was the thing. Well, let me read verse 9. Before time in Israel, when a man went to inquire of God, thus he spake, Come and let us go to the seer. For he that is now called a prophet was before time called a seer. See, that's part of what we did this morning. I saw things. And I began to tell you what I saw and people responded. But here's my point. That many times in the Bible, when you went to somebody of higher rank, you always brought a gift. Now, there were times to receive gifts. Some men of God said no to certain things. You know, the, was it the uh, general from Syria? That, that Naaman? I think the right guy. He had a skin problem. Is that right? Yes. And he came to the prophet and he brought all these change of clothes and different things like that and some money. And, and you know, some of that is pretty expensive over here. Second Kings 5 says he brought 10 talents of silver. That's $19,000 according to Dake's Bible. He brought 6,000 pieces of gold. That's $58,170. And people act like, you know, preachers are in it for the money no the preacher didn't ask for anything I didn't ask for anything from you and this guy didn't ask for anything here but the people who were going out of honor said let's go to the man of God but let's take a gift of some sort hallelujah and anyway you know Naaman you know he sent his servant down to take care of it said tell him to go dip in the the Jordan River and he got all frustrated about it it's a dirty river why don't you tell me to go to one of the rivers in my country they're cleaner He's real uptight about it. And one of his sergeants said, or lieutenants or whoever said, hey, listen, if he asked you to do something hard, you would have done it. Why don't you just go dip? Isn't that right? And then, you know, and so he did, and he came out clean. And so, you know, Gehazi, which was the prophet's minister to him, kind of a subordinate to him, he followed that, the guy with the clothes and the stuff, and went and said, hey, my master changed his mind. He needs so much clothing and this and that. And later, you know, he got burnt over that deal because he lied about it and the prophet said where'd you go today oh nowhere he said no you went and you did this and you did that now leprosy would be upon you the rest of the days of your life for your disobedience and your lying but there was another time a few chapters after that in 2nd Kings where the same prophet they brought 40 mules 40 camel loads to him and he took it all he received it all he didn't probably take it for himself but he had a distribution center Everybody ever see the Walmart Distribution Center in Seymour? That's like taking 40 tractor trailers full of stuff and pulling it up here. Hey, Dr. Jacobs, we got you some stuff. Hey, let's open them up and see what we got. (laughs) Hallelujah. So there was nothing wrong with bringing, this is my point, a gift to your man of God from time to time if that's what God leads you to do. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Anybody learn anything? You know, we didn't, I didn't hear any of this when I was growing up in church. I mean, they just talked about the tithe, and even that was kind of just kind of really didn't teach a whole lot about it. 
maybe just taught out of Malachi didn't get over in the New Testament and we should have been over there more than anything but 1 Corinthians 9 I'm going to begin in verse uh, 1 and 2 and he's talking here because Paul helped start this church but it's the same thing as a pastor who starts a church like myself here Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9 1 and 2 am I not an apostle am I not free have I seen have and have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord and are not you my work in the Lord you know in other words the, the people there are they not my work in the Lord you believers and if I be not an apostle unto others yea doubtless I am to you for the seal of my apostleship is the fact that you are in the Lord and you're growing. I'm adding that in. Then let's go up here to verse, uh, let me find it, verse 4 down here. Have we not power to eat and to drink? And have we not power to lead about a sister or a wife as well as other apostles and as the brethren of the Lord and Cephas or Peter? And I only and Barnabas have not we power to forbear working? Who goeth a warfare any time, verse 7, at his own charges? We don't send our guys to Iraq and say, well, you have to go buy your own bullets buy your own underwear you have to get you some kind of little uh, packs down at 7-Eleven your, your little cookies and your little snacks because we, we can't afford no we send them the whole thing do we not it says who goeth a warfare any time in his own charges or who plants a vineyard and eats not of the fruit thereof I think up at Huber's they probably eat a little bit of their own produce don't you think I don't think they're going to JC and, and Kroger's do you I wouldn't think so and who feeds the flock and eats not of the milk of the flock? He's talking about things here. Say I these things as a man, or saith not the law the same also? It is written in the law of Moses, verse 9, Thou shalt not muzzle the mouth of the ox that treads out the corn. Doth God take care for oxen, or saith he altogether for our sakes? For our sakes, no doubt, this is written, that he that ploweth should plow in hope, and he that thresheth in hope should be partaker of his hope. He's talking about preachers. And if we have sown unto you spiritual things, verse 11, is it a great thing if we shall reap your carnal things? I, I'm certainly not embarrassed to ask you to pay your tithes and give what's right. I mean, here sits Brother Jacob. He'd be already in heaven if it hadn't been for this church. Dr. Dufresne prayed over him, but he wouldn't have known Dr. Dufresne without me. Just talking some, some truth here. Where's the Jansons at? Are they here today? There they are. Fallen Sherry. Sherry probably wouldn't be here today. Maybe not even Paul. I don't know. He's been taught under my ministry almost 30 years. He had some serious issues. Well, Miss Sherry had some serious issues with thyroid back. And there's some people I could name. Some are here. Some are gone. Now, I'm not taking credit. I'm not the healer. But you can't get healed unless you know how. Or unless somebody else knows how to pray for you that knows how to help get it to you. I'm talking to you here, man. How about people? Anybody here been delivered from anything in your life and you're a better person today under this ministry? And I'm a better person because I'm under doctor's ministry. I'm waving to you myself from the one I'm under. I mean, I had a headache came on me back, I don't know, 10 or 15 years ago and didn't get off. I went to the hospital. I still didn't get off. The lady came and said, I'm going to get the doctor lady. This, they sent a neuro person. She happened to be a lady. Said, I'm gonna, she looked at me and she said, I'll be back in five minutes. I'm going to give you a spinal tap right in the bed. I said, bring it on. Help me. Whatever you need to do, lady. And I'd heard all kinds of horror stories about spinal taps, but I was in so much pain. Oh, my gosh. I said, go ahead. You have my full agreement. Run. Come back. 
and she took a final tap on me in the bed. God must have, she didn't even have time to numb me up. I don't remember feeling anything. I was in so much pain in my head. You could have whacked my leg off. And they said, well, we don't know what it is. Something's got into your brain and da-da-da-da-da. So she gave me some meta, meta, narcotics and knocked me out for two weeks of my life. When I came back to myself, I mean, I got up and went to the restroom, but that was about it. For two weeks, I said uh, to the Lord, I want two weeks added on to what I told you when I wanted to go home because the devil stole these two. But the narcotics made me paranoid. See, I hadn't been on something like that in a long time, not like heavy-duty stuff. I'm not talking like Tylenol 3. I'm talking about something you take on Friday and you think it's next Wednesday. <laughs> and I came out of there very paranoid, very uh, very uh, kind of, uh, I don't know, just scared. It was weird. And I, Diana said, what's wrong with you? And I said, I don't know. I don't like the way I feel, though. And, you know, I was just coming out of that narcotic. I'd been on it for two weeks straight. And I went to a meeting down in uh, Radcliffe to see Dr. Dufresne, my spiritual father, and he saw me and he knew immediately what was happening. And he tried to kid with me, and I didn't think it's too funny. <laughs> you know, if I'm in one of those moods, you don't want to kid with me. I'm not going to think it's funny. Even Dr. Dufresne. I mean, I, did you do something with my Bible? <laughs> I couldn't believe I said that, but... He took my Bible and tried to hide it, thinking it was funny. I didn't think it was too funny. <laughs> you can take my shoes, you can take my underwear, but you can't take my Bible. <laughs> anyway, you just had to understand my mental thing at that moment. And he knew, he knew something had got on me, see. And uh, so I don't know, the minute he stood up to preach, he knocked me back in my chair and said, come out. And I got delivered. I enjoyed the rest of the service. <laughs> Don't act like all of you were normal when you came all the time either, okay? Don't act like that with me. So let's read on here. We're talking about this reaping carnal things. If others, verse 12, be partakers of this power over you, how about Walmart, how about Walgreens, how about Target, how about GVS or what, CVS or GVS? <laughs> Wherever you shop, buy your stuff. Nevertheless, we have not used this power and suffer all things lest we should hinder the God. And this is where he said he didn't do that, but later he repented over that. I mentioned it earlier. But here's what he does say, 13 and 14. Do you not know that they which minister about holy things live of the gospel, live of the things of the temple, and they which wait at the altar are partakers with the altar? That's where they brought their offerings. That's what he's saying. Even so hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. There's a lot more I could say, but time's got away from me here. I had a lot more on my plate here, but this is just telling us that preachers should make their living from the gospel they preach. And so it's a legitimate thing to expect at least a portion of what you bring in to this local church should go to take care of me and the staff. That's all I'm saying. In essence, that's all really what I'm saying here. You go to someplace else. We don't demand you pay us. People have come here before, didn't tithe. I prayed for them. They got healed. I didn't charge them. I've been in this uh, 38 years of ministry. I've never charged anybody for a counseling session. Do you realize how many people I've sat down to talk with for 45 minutes to an hour only to have them misrepresent what I said or leave me after I spent four, five, six sessions with them because they don't want truth? I've tried to give myself to the body of Christ all these years and still do. 
because I believe that somebody's going to get it. And many will get it in this environment. Brother Hagin says, after almost 70 years of ministry, of course, he went home in 2003, but he was in the ministry, I think, 69 and a half years, something like that. He said, I noticed that churches that take care of their pastors always prosper. Hallelujah. So there's just a lot to be said about this. I hope you got a little truth out of this. Hallelujah. Stand up with me for a minute, would you please? Thank you for joining us today. To view Dr. Jacobs' travel itinerary, order products, and more, please visit cotrin.org slash mjm.